How many of you got to hear Faulty last Sunday? Yeah, a lot of you. Oh, don't clap. <laughs> uh, a lot of you have uh, told me how well he did. He, he won't be preaching here again. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start a new campus. You know the rule. You get good, you get gone. Um, <laughs> Jay got good, he's gone. Aaron's good, he's gone. Now Faulty, well, we'll start another campus. You think I'm being all mission-minded and all that, I'm getting rid of the competition. But uh, uh, we are glad to have Father on our staff. He is, as you can see, very excited about church planting and what that, the difference that can make in Middle Tennessee. Uh, if you ask Father to nail it down, he'll tell you we already have 30 congregations that we are in relationship with. We'll soon solidify five or six more. So we're already over a third of the way done toward the goal of 100 healthy congregations in Middle Tennessee. And I'm assuming Faulty has not started one this morning, uh, but you, you just don't know with him. Uh, but uh, this, this ministry uh, of starting churches, being in relationship, repurposing churches, and all of that is making a huge difference. And uh, Faulty is, uh, is the excited and... Uh, inspiring leader of that ministry, and I'm glad you got to meet him. At the end of uh, every year, tra uh, Travis and I do a kind of a post-mortem of the previous year uh, and kind of analyze where we are, what happened, what we did, what, what we think were wins, what we think we could do better. And um, the burden that we have coming out of 2021 is that we are not ready for the next challenge. As I've told you before, we flunked COVID. And we flunked COVID because when our world said, we don't want you to be getting together in church with the, with the, the pandemic and all, a lot of us didn't know what to do. Uh, we didn't know how to carry on church in our own home and, and, and that kind of thing. Now, uh, a lot of what we saw from our members and social media was not of the spirit of Christ. A lot of what we saw in emails was not of the spirit of Christ. And that broke my heart. So out of that, I, I think God gave the church a heads up. I think he told us, you need to get ready because this is not the last time you're gonna be challenged like this. It is coming. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a cultural expert to understand that our culture is now turning on Christianity and attacking the expression of Christianity and the sharing of the gospel and especially the ministry of local churches. We know that's happening, okay? We need to get ready. That means we need to change the way we do our worship services. So Travis and I have committed, and we're going to focus on discipling you with the Word of God as much as we can when you show up here on Sunday morning. The worship songs will be designed so you can remember them, so you can sing them during the week. Uh, he's going to be teaching you how to, how to do that. Uh, we're going to be focused on the Scriptures. You need to bring your Bible. I will refer to it from time to time. Now, I, I know that there are other places and other, and not everybody likes uh, the same uh, flavor of ice cream. I got that. That's why uh, Baskin Robbins has 31 different flavors. This is gonna be our flavor. Uh, we're gonna open up the word, we're gonna get deep in it, and uh, we may even go more than an hour. Deal with it. 
All right, just deal with it. Go extra innings in baseball, you're excited. Overtime in football and basketball, you can't wait. Penalty shots in hockey, oh, this is wonderful. I go a few minutes over to everybody to get the wrist disease. Like I can't see you from up here, huh? Okay, it's just, sometimes you just can't wrap it up that fast. And what you need to know with the world is, and, and I can't send you out into the world unarmed. Okay, there's a very famous passage that every pastor knows. It's in the book of Ezekiel, where God tells the prophet, I have appointed you a watchman over the people. If you see danger coming and you sound the alarm and the people don't respond, then their blood is on their hands. If you see trouble coming and you don't sound the alarm, then their blood is on your hands. So as much as possible, we're gonna do our best for you to be ready when the next challenge comes because it is. So we're gonna start with the Gospel of John, the very first chapter of the Gospel of John. Now, if you begin with the reading of Mark, Mark thinks the Gospel began with the preaching of Jesus. He opens his first chapter with these words, and, John, and Jesus came preaching. We don't have any birth stories in Mark. There's nothing before Jesus is 30. If you begin with Matthew, then Matthew traces it all the way back to Abraham. And he traces God's work through Abraham, through David, through Joseph, to Bethlehem and Jesus' birth. Luke traces it all the way back to Adam. From Adam to Abraham to David, through Zacharias and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist, to Mary, to Bethlehem, and the birth of Jesus. John, the last writer of the gospel, we think he wrote his gospel somewhere in the 90s. The other gospels were written in the mid 50s, 60s, maybe as late as 70, but probably not. So John has these three gospels. He has read them. And he reads the opening and he says to himself, guys, you aren't even close. For the gospel of Jesus Christ did not begin in a small village. It began before the beginning. The gospel of Jesus Christ began before the beginning. Stand with me in honor of God's word to John chapter one. Here again, this very familiar passage. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in beginning and all things that were created were created through him and apart from him, not one thing that was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. 
And that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Before there was time, long after time will be gone, you are. And in this time, in this place, on this step of our journey, you are. So show us this light that it may shine in us that the darkness won't overcome us either. And we pray this in your name, amen. So what were the other three gospels missing? By now, John is the Bishop of Ephesus and head, uh, the lead pastor of all the churches around there. The Roman government was aware of him and would one day later send him to the island of Patmos. So as he read the other witnesses that were circulating around the church, what did he see was missing? Now, when you read the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see a similar story being told. People will see Jesus. They will watch one of his acts. They will hear his teaching and they will ask this question. Who is this man? Okay, it's called Christology, the study of Christ from below. Which means you start with the person of Jesus, the historical person of Jesus, and from there unfold the ministry till you see him as the divine son of God. You start as if you were to meet him on some road in Judea, some path in Galilee, and you would see him walking toward you, his disciples following him, and you would have that first encounter with someone that you thought was just a man. And from that experience, begin to understand how much more he is. In general, the synoptic gospels tell the story that way. John, uh uh-uh. He starts with what we call Christology from above. That is, he starts with God as a, a God, the Trinity, Christ as a member of that Trinity, who now comes into time and space, tabernacles among us, lives among us. And for these 33 years, you have the opportunity to see all that God wants us to see, to hear all God wants us to hear, to know all God wants us to know. From the beginning of the beginning. In the beginning, Genesis tells us, there was nothing. 
God said, let there be light, and the light began to push back the darkness. The light became day. In that same way, John tells us, picking up that story of creation, he says salvation begins the same way. Before the beginning began, Christ was sacrificed for us, died for us, saved us before time began, slain before the foundation of the world. Before we fell, Christ had moved to catch us. You get that? Before we fell, Christ had moved to catch us. The gospel of Jesus Christ begins before the beginning. It focuses on the 33 years of Jesus's life, the incarnation, God becoming flesh. Here's everything I want you to know. The word, the logos becomes flesh. Now, understand, this was a particularly chosen word. There's a reason the emphasis is on hearing. Throughout the Old Testament, there is an emphasis on hearing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Hear, what are the commandments? Don't have any other gods before me. Don't try to create an image of me. You can't contain in a piece of art a carved stone, a carved stick, who I am. I will not be limited to where you will put me. The Old Testament prophets had a field day with this. They would point to other people and say, what kind of God do you have? He cannot speak, he cannot hear, he cannot see, and if he goes anywhere, you have to put him in your wagon and take him there. What kind of God do you serve? For our God cannot be comprehended in the images that men will make. The emphasis is on hearing. Why? Because you can't fool the ear. You can fool the eye. It's hard to fool the ear. Magicians. How many ear magicians do you know? We can fool your eye. But your ears can discern truth before your eyes do. When somebody is lying to you, it's your ears that tell you before your eyes do. Your eyes want to believe. Oh, he looked so sorry. And your ears are going, nope. We've heard these words before. We know what they mean. Are you able to hear the word? Are you paying attention to the word? Is it any wonder then that we live in a culture that focuses on the visual? On what you see and how our gadgets now dazzle our eyes to the point that we cannot hear. 
Huh? Wives, have you ever tried to talk to your husband while he is watching TV? He's deaf as a stone. Ever tried to talk to a child who was on their phone or iPad? They're deaf as a stone. In the beginning was the Word. And this Word created everything that was created. And without Him, nothing was created. Paul echoes this in Colossians. Everything holds together in the person of Jesus Christ. This word that God has spoken in his son, through his son, this word, the only thing God wants us to hear, everything God wants us to hear, is in the person of Jesus Christ. And in five verses, John introduces all the great themes of his gospel, all the great themes of our life. Experts tell us we have about 90 seconds when we speak publicly. You have about 90 seconds to create a relationship with your listening audience, about 90 seconds before they decide whether or not they will listen to you or not. John gets you in five verses. He talks about creation. He talks about life. He talks about light. He talks about darkness. He talks about the Trinity. He talks about Christ coming in. All of this in the first handful of verses. This light. Now, one of the reasons probably that John focused so much on light is he wrote in a very dark time. I know, we get together, we have a cup of coffee, we'll be talking about things and we'll say, I don't know how things can get worse. And we will learn, we will list a liturgy of things that we think are going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, the politicians, the world situation, uh, this, that, kids today, on and on the list will go. It's the worst time ever to be alive. Really? Look at John. Peter, his fellow disciple, his brother. Remember, when Jesus pulled the guys aside, he would always pull together Peter, John, and James. Peter's dead. Peter's been executed by the Roman government. Paul. Paul is dead. He's been executed by the Roman government. We think that John was the last of the disciples to die the only one who died of natural causes. The Roman government got so fed up with John that they put him on the Isle of Patmos. They did the worst thing to a preacher that you can do they stuck him somewhere without a congregation. 
Little did they know that Patmos was the place, not that Rome was sending him, but that God was bringing John so he could give him the revelation. Remember, the wilderness is always the place where God takes you when he wants your full attention. And God unveils the revelation. Now, we're pretty sure that John wrote more than one book, that he wrote the Gospel of John, that he wrote the letters of John. First John, we're sure, pretty much came from John. Second and third John probably were later, maybe by a student of, or disciple of John. The revelation was by John. Okay? So we've got John, the gospel, the first letter of John, and the revelation. Now, notice what we see. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and that Word was life, and that life was the light of men, and the darkness couldn't overcome it. John chapter 1. 1 John. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare now to you that God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. We're telling you what we have seen and heard and what we've seen and heard is that God is light. Revelation. Books and books written about Revelation is the old joke told about a couple of guys playing basketball and the janitor was waiting for them to quit so he could go home and the ball rolls over there and one of the students realizes that the, the janitor's reading his Bible and he asks the guy, what are you reading? He said, Revelation. Do you understand it? Yeah, I understand it. So he called all his friends and says, hey, this guy gets revelation. So they all stand around and says, okay, what does revelation mean? He looks up to them and says, boys, it means Jesus going to win. That's what the book of Revelation means. And at the end of Revelation, chapter 21, 20 and 21, 22, when, God, when, when John talks about how God ultimately reveals himself, the dragon's been defeated, the beast is gone. Now, John says, I see a new city. And in that new city, there is no temple because we are with God. God himself is our temple and our place of worship and the gates never close because it's never night in that city. The Lamb is the light that never goes out. Now, John didn't say that the light probably won't overcome it. It has not overcome it. It won't overcome it. It can't overcome it and won't ever overcome it. In the beginning of creation, God says, let there be light, and the light begins to push back the darkness. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God says, let there be life, and the sun comes back to life, raised from the dead, son of God, king of kings, lord of lords. And at the end, there is light. The darkness has lost, 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 lost. The darkness didn't overcome it. John writes, 
in a dark time. So how dark is it for you? How dark is it in your world? Twenty twenty one has been another challenging year. Twenty two is shaping up to be a challenging year as well. How dark is it in your world? There is a light that is Jesus Christ that won't be, can't be overcome by the world. This life, this light is his gift to you. Now, I I know there's some of you saying to yourself, you don't know, that's a good story, Mike, but you don't know me. You don't know my life. You don't know how many decisions there are. You don't know how many mistakes there have been. You know how many times I have messed up. I, I messed up and I've messed up so much that there's nothing left. Were you paying attention? Did you see John go all the way back to creation where God starts with nothing? You're here saying, this is the end. I am nothing. Jesus is here saying, this is the beginning. The darkness doesn't win in the gospel of John. It doesn't win in the ministry of Jesus. It doesn't win in the history of the world. It doesn't win in the future of God. And it doesn't win now. Let's pray together. Put your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Thinking about your own life. Listen, I don't want to embarrass you, put you on the spot any way at all. But I do want you thinking about your own life in this moment. For some of you, it is dark. And you've heard me talk about life. You've heard me talk about light. And you got questions. That's okay. I don't expect you to have it worked out. That's why I'll be headed to the membership uh, center. Go out, turn left, and you'll see uh, the glass doors there. We'll be standing there. I'll be there. Several other our ministers will be there to talk with you, to answer your questions, pray with you so you can know the presence of Christ in your life today. Don't leave still in darkness. Don't leave still broken. Don't leave still having questions. We beg you. For some of you, it's time to come be part of Brentwood Baptist Church. We'll meet you over there. We'll get that process started. However, Christ has come to you. He's waiting for you now. The church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open, every heart. So we pray now the decisions we make are exactly what you want.